as we continue in our series on the Ten Commandments then and now, I want to pause for just a second. I want to emphasize to you that the first four commandments focus on our relationship with God. The last six commandments focus on our relationship with each other, with other human beings, how we should treat one another. Uh, So it should have been no surprise to the Pharisees and the devout Jews that were listening to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 when he was asked what the greatest commandment is. And Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And one of my favorite things about this conversation is the Bible says after this happened, Jesus asked them a question and they couldn't answer the question. The Bible goes on to say, from that day forward, they dare not ask him any more questions. I just think it was kind of great. Jesus was explaining to them that God's name is holy. This should be treated with respect, that there's power in the Lord's name, and it shouldn't be used lightly. And I'm going I'm to kind of bring together what I had for you last week and what I have for you this week and, and bring that together as we, as we head into the Sabbath. But Jesus said those things, and that's what I want to emphasize. Our God's name should not be taken lightly. And with that being said, I want to read to you the first four commandments. And keep in mind, these are, these are from God to us on how we should have a relationship with God, how we should treat God. All right, here we go. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 11. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not, excuse me, you shall have no other gods before me. He says, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water underneath. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generations, those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, who, to those who, who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner, that's the visitor, who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's look at verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. I want to take this a step further. We shouldn't even misuse God's name. We shouldn't even pretend to use God's name in vain. Gosh, golly, good gosh, gosh dang it. I think you get the picture. I say I love watching HGTV, home remodel shows and stuff like that, but one of the things I just can't stand, and I don't like this at all, is when the, new, the show, the, the new homeowner comes in or the, the, the homeowner comes into their new house that's been redone, and every time they go into another room, 
the excited homeowner, what do they do? They, it seems they've lost all rational thought, and the only sentence they can muster is, oh my God, here's, here's your new kitchen, oh my God, here's your new living room, oh my God, here's your new backyard, oh my God, it's beautiful. Here's your new bathroom ensuite to the master bedroom. Oh my God, it's like a real spa. On and on they go, and you guys are only a little bit offended because I said all that right here in church, but you watch the same home and garden TV show I do too. You see, the reveal has become one of my least favorite things about HGTV. The sad thing is, these people who are saying that think they're actually saying something good. Uh, They don't realize what they're really saying. They don't understand that because God is spirit, and we know him through what he says about himself. For us to take his name in vain violates God's nature. As God's creation, for us to do that violates his nature. Everything we say and do should be done in order to praise and glorify God, not take his name in vain, not see how close we can get to taking his name in vain and not actually taking it in vain. That's not how it should be. I'm not even going to get into how many shows and movies just blatantly take God's name in vain simply to emphasize anger or passion or intention in the moment. But I do want to remind you all that in the book of Leviticus, chapter 24, verses 10 through 16, and you can look this up if you don't believe me because I'm not making this up, there's a man named Shelomith. That would be a good name to make up, but this is a true story. Shelomith is this guy's name. He blasphemed the name of God with a curse. And the Lord commanded that he be taken outside of the camp and stoned to death. We shouldn't even come close. In the New Testament, Jesus was accused of blasphemy because he claimed to be God. As a matter of fact, it was that claim that the high priest used against Jesus, claiming he broke this very commandment by claiming to be God. And they condemned him to death. And it's ironic to me that people so steeped in tradition... And so steeped in following both cultural and biblical expectations would miss an obvious moment in the life of Christ as he explains to them why he was the son of God. Especially after all the other questions they had asked him and all the things they'd seen him do. And we go back to the beginning where finally they just couldn't ask him any more questions because he answered them all and they still didn't get it. James even gives us a good warning about how we should watch what we say. If you're, if you're considering your words, I challenge you to read through the book of James. Gives us a good warning about how we should watch what we say because he says, James says, the tongue is capable of evil and poison and it can easily corrupt a person. But Jesus, on the other hand, he showed us how we should refer to God when he shared with us how we should pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, our Father who art in heaven, Say this with me because you know it. Hallowed be your name. See, if God's name is holy, then we should do a better job of how we use it to express ourselves. In Matthew 12, 33 through 37, Jesus takes us beyond how we use God's name by showing us that our words themselves reveal our character. Listen to this and think about all the things you have said just in this past week. Maybe you haven't taken God's name in vain, but just think about your conversations as I read through this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure 
what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What words have you spoken this past week? Have you spoken careless words? Have you taken God's name in vain? Uh, Your words will condemn you or they will justify you. I don't know about you, but I want my words to justify me. I want my words to be a better reflection of Christ when I speak them. That's not always the case. Sometimes I say careless things if we're going to be transparent with one another. But when I take pause and reflect on who God is in my life, when I remind myself to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. And I think for a second, every day should be holy because our God is holy. And if we're to be a reflection of Him, we're made in His image, we too should strive to be holy. I begin to process that. I begin to think of the repentance for my careless words, for my selfish actions. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, and think about your last week. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. I'm going to pause right here. Did everybody do some kind of work this week? Everybody? I know some of you think I'm only doing it right now, one day a week, but I did some work this week. We worked. Some of us, some of you guys work really hard. All right, so six days you shall labor, do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, and this is the part I really like, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Did you hear that? He blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed the day of resting. Now, there's a lot of conversation these days about whether the Sabbath day should be on a Saturday or a Sunday. And it's mostly based on the Jewish tradition of going to worship on Saturday. But for us in a New Testament church, Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday morning. And that's why we come and worship on Sunday. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this rest for you? Now, it doesn't mean did you fall asleep in the sermon last week or, or are you sleeping this week? That's not the rest I'm talking about. Is this rest for you to come and, and worship and be fed the word of God to have communion, to bring your gifts and your tithes to the Lord? It, most of you would answer, yeah, this is rest. After church today, you'll have lunch somewhere out to eat or home or with friends. Maybe you'll go home and take a nap, work on a small project or a hobby. And for the most part, you've taken a day of rest. I got to tell you, and I'm not complaining, but I just want you to know, this is not a day of rest for me. It's not a day of rest for Andy. It's not a day of rest for Lorna. It's not a day of rest for the praise team. Bobby's back there chewing his fingernails, wondering if he's going to have to mute me or not (laughs) as he keeps track. This is not a day of rest. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that happens so that we can do this. And again, I'm not, I'm not complaining, but I also want you to know, this does not mean that we're breaking a commandment. It doesn't mean that we're breaking the commandment. We're not resting because all of us are encouraged 
to take a break on other days, to take a Sabbath on other days. I've learned something in my time of ministry. If you're taking time and you're resting in the Lord, that's a good thing. If you're not pausing to rest, if you're not pausing to communicate with God, if you're not pausing to pray, if you're not pausing to read His Word, if you're not pausing to marvel at His creation, to simply be still and know that He is God, you will find yourself burned out. Your service to His bride, the church, will become stale and stagnant. Your desire to grow and mature as a Christian will become stunted. Something I wanted to share with you guys. A while back, I went to a conference. It was called ReChurch. And it was really cool. It was for elders and staff of churches. And one of the the workshops that I went to was a Christian psychologist, which I kind of think is an oxymoron, but that's a different conversation. But there's this Christian psychologist, and he was there, and he was talking about people who had come to him Uh, both in ministry and churches, just Christian people that had come to him after a failure in either ministry or their job or maybe a a moral failure in their in their uh, in their life, in their in their marriage. And he says, you know, as, as we have to retrace the steps, we have to get back to where the wheels fell off. And he says, everybody that I have counseled with, that I have worked with, that has come to this place of 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 what we would mark as a failure, whether it was getting fired from a church or, or whatever. He says, all these good Christian people. And we start backtracking to where did, it, where did it all start? Where did the wheels come off? You know the first thing he finds out? Six months, a year before the event in question, those people found themselves too busy to pray. He said, six months to a year before, whatever the event was in question, those people found themselves too busy to spend Time in God's word. As, as he backtracked, ministers, ministers, wives, elders, just people, Christian people that he tried to help through marriage counseling. All of them, as they backtracked, it came back to they no longer had the time to spend with God. Praying, reading his word, marveling at his creation. It all was able to track back to that. They forgot to pick a day. You forgot to pick a time to set it aside. So what I want to encourage you with today is what does your Sabbath day look like? This morning, I wanted to take all of you outside. Uh, Lauren and I talked about it. How, how can we possibly get everybody just up and just let's all go outside? And I thought it would be a lot like herding cats and it wouldn't go well. And it just, I couldn't figure out how to make it work. And because I, I just wanted to take you outside just to sit for a minute. And just together to, to rest in the Lord, to take in his creation, to listen to the birds sing. One of the things I heard people say repeatedly about the eclipse, and I was in the hospital while the eclipse was happening, but I heard about it. I watched it on TV. One of the things countless people kept saying, the most amazing thing was how the birds went silent and the crickets started chirping. I can't help but wonder For many of them, that was the first time in a long time they had paused long enough to hear either one. And whether they knew it or not, they paused to marvel at something that God did. Like I said, I wanted to take us all outside, but instead I brought outside to you. And and so I brought it in. I brought the outside in. You see, God knows what we need. We need time to rest. We need time to sit. We need time to think about what he's created, what he's done for us. I got to tell you this. 
I was in the hospital for the eclipse. Everybody left. <laughs> All right, my door was cracked. I was on the wrong side of the building, okay? I couldn't look out my window with my little glasses on. And I, and I, I went out and I was like, can I walk to another side of the building just to you know, get a peek of the eclipse. And they're like, no, all the patients have to stay in the room. And so I mosey back and, you know, little gowns flapping. And I just, I didn't close my door all the way. And, and right on cue, I'm watching it on TV. And all of a sudden I hear, like all these nurses are running to the other side of the building. I almost pushed a little butt and started screaming. I've fallen. I can't help, you know. Because I know it'd take like six of them to get me back up, but... And that's when it dawned on me, though. When was the last time that you took pause to really marvel at how amazing our God is? When was the last time you just stopped, sat down, whether it's next to a fire or next to a plant or next to a, a, a stream, and just think for a moment that in the midst of all that, God thought about you. First and foremost, there are some amazing facts about the eclipse that that have to do with math and science and things that I'm not good at that that prove that even the eclipse is not something that happened by accident. It's it's a planned thing. It's, It's a perfect transition. And it's just one more thing that solidifies to me how amazing God is. And that amazing God who did that, who orchestrated that, who in the middle of the day, birds stopped chirping or birds stopped doing whatever they do and crickets started chirping. That's our God. And our creator blessed a day of rest. He said the Sabbath day, a day of rest is holy. He blessed that. It was one of the first things that he blessed when you read through the Bible. Listen, if if you're not worshiping God with how you live your life, if you're not putting... If you are putting other things before God, if you're allowing idols to separate you from God, if you're going to misuse his name and you're going to miss the the refreshment and the rejuvenation that's going to happen when you rest in him. God's name is holy. God's name is powerful. His name is glorious. Again, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And when I put that together with remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, I no longer see the Ten Commandments with a specific limited application that I used to think about them when I grew up. Like I said earlier, not taking the Lord's name in vain boils down to not saying, oh my God, when you're shocked or excited, it means not yelling out Jesus Christ when someone cuts you off in traffic. That's what I thought for years that it was all about. It was just don't, don't say those things, don't think those things. But these commandments are about far more than how you use God's name as a vocabulary word. Or how you view your Sunday afternoon activities. It's about how you take his name and the relationship you have with him as a way of life. In in other words, do you live according to who he is? Because we can all sit here and go, never take the Lord's name in vain. But if you don't live according to who he is, your actions don't speak the same. It's about how you take his name and that relationship you have with him. Does your life reflect the identity you have in God? Or do you live in ways that are in opposition with the name you took when you decided to call yourself Christian? Unfortunately, my tendency, and maybe yours too from time to time, is to take these first four commandments almost as a threat. 
Oh, you break one of those and you're on the naughty list. We do this because we think God's focus is on our behavior. But our actions are only a small part of what it means to take God's name in vain. Did you know the Jews and the Jewish scribes would go to great lengths in order to avoid even saying or writing the Lord's name for fear of blasphemy? I can appreciate their efforts in honoring the name of God, but historically speaking, their actions spoke more blasphemy than their words. When you go back and look at their uh, historically, the things they did, a lot of it was for show. A lot of it was for posture. In the New Testament, we find direction for how we should use the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that, that we should reflect Christ. In order to reflect Christ, we should pray. We should teach. And we should baptize in Jesus' name. That's how we should use the name of Christ. The Bible also tells us that what we say is not only important, it's a glimpse of who we are. You see, God loves us and He wants us to love and worship Him in whatever we're doing at all times. Our God wants us to use His name. It's holy, it's powerful. If we can show respect for the names of our parents, the names of our grandparents, our teachers, our doctors, then how much more should we respect the name of our sovereign God? If we can make such a big deal about taking pause to celebrate someone's birthday or go on that family vacation or go outside and watch an eclipse, how much more should we desire to make a time to sit with God and celebrate with Him personally what He has done in our lives on a regular basis? Today I want to remind you that we should have no other gods before us except for the one true God. We should have no idols. He alone is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy of our attention, first and above everything else. We should never misuse His name. There are over 300 new words added to our vocabulary almost monthly. Did you know that? I was amazed by that. Almost 300 new words added monthly. There are so many better ways to articulate your emotions and get your point across than to misuse God's name. I truly do want to encourage you. If you're feeling overwhelmed by life or blocked out of something or facing burnout in your marriage or your job or even in God's church, find a way, find a place to rest in Him. It doesn't have to be outside. That's my choice. I just like to go outside and be with God and look at all the cool things that He's done. But think about where you need to go to be still and know that He is God. And think about these things as we come to our response time. And if you would like to respond to God's word this morning, will you do that as we stand and sing? This morning to share with you from God's word to challenge you. But now it's time for us to go. As you go this week, I really want to encourage you to find a time in your week where you could carve out and just spend some time with God. Rest in Him. The, the renewed strength that you find, the, the refreshment that comes to your mind, and even the focus you'll have in your life, your family, your marriage, your job, really will be paramount to what happens in your, the rest of your week. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Find a way. I know everybody's busy. Everybody talks about the hours we work and, and the old saying about the rocks. You put your big rocks in the jar first and then use the smaller rocks and then the smaller stuff and then you can top it all off with sand and then you can even pour water in it and then you have a full jar. Start with your big rocks. One of your biggest rocks is to spend time with God. He will bless that. That's a holy time. It doesn't have to happen right here.
You can take it with you. Sing this last song with us.